It's not every day that a design firm sets out to design and build a 755,000 square foot building. Georgia Tech's Coda Building in Atlanta, which is the flagship building for the Institute's Technology Square, has quickly become a place to collaborate. Today, we sit down with Simon Goodhead and John Mickle from Portman Architects to learn more about the creation of the life safety systems for a building that has no equal. Mark Zweig is coming right up after the intro. Cue the music. Welcome to the Portman Architects Podcast, where we share the stories and informed insight of six plus decades of architectural design and achievement. From being the first U.S. company on mainland China to creating a sense of place in their design approach, Portman Architects continues to push the architectural envelope. Portman Architects team of experts are ready and willing to help move your next project from idea to completion. These podcasts deliver invaluable design strategy and industry insight directly to you. The Portman Architects Podcast, delivering great ideas one episode at a time. Hey, Mark, I hear you have some great visitors with you today. Why don't you introduce those guys to us? I do have. I'm here today with Simon Goodhead and John Mickle, Portman Architects. And we're going to talk today about a very interesting project that these two worked on. It is the CODA project at Georgia Institute of Technology. It's a very interesting building, 755,000 square feet. Was opened last year. It is believed to be the largest structure of its kind, a facility built to actively encourage the collaborations between university researchers, including students and the industry, that can lead to new technology development. So it's really an exciting project in many different ways. Georgia Tech is the anchor tenant of the building, they've got about half the space. And the rest is leased out to a variety of companies, some established, some startups. Very exciting project. So as we get started here, Simon, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what your role was on this project? Sure. So I'm a principal consultant with the Cox Group and also a principal engineer with Goodhead Consulting Engineers. At the uh, time of CODA, I was co-consultant and fire protection engineer helped out Pullman Architects with some of the more unique design features. And we'll get into some of those in a little while. That's great. How about you, John? Tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm a project manager with Portman Architects, and I was the project manager for CODA, working with Simon all the way back in 2015, 2016, through you know construction and completion last year. So that's my role. I kind of you know, lead the the project team, the consultants, and work with the project designer and development team to execute the project. Well, tell us, as we get into this discussion today, what exactly does CODA mean? So CODA is a musical symbol that it's a musical symbol that is at the end of a, a piece of music usually, and it means you know, it kind of denotes that you go back to the beginning. And so for CODA, CODA is about connection and collaboration 
And so the idea is that as you work through a piece of music, you come to the coda and you go back to the beginning and start over again. So with coda, the building, you know, ideas, basically ideas develop, they are researched, analyzed, discussed, debated, passed on, further developed, and then repeated and going back to the beginning. That's really a cool project. Tell us, today we're going to talk about some of the unique life safety systems of this building. Tell us a little bit about those, Simon. Sure. The design at Coda was really kind of pushed a lot of the design envelopes at the very beginning of the competition stage. The the question was raised about upstairs, up the facade, that's all the way up the building. There was asks about a an atrium, an incredibly deep basement as well, especially for Atlanta. And those different components did not really have a prescriptive solution if you were to just follow the code. And so the very, very early question was, how do we enable the design while we maybe aren't following all of the prescriptive requirements? What exactly does that mean for our listeners who aren't schooled in this business as well as you are? I would probably suggest John is the best person to answer that question as he had to live live it from the architect's perspective. Sure. Yeah, I mean, so Simon, thanks for going through that. I think, you know, what that means for the building is that we can have uh, spaces that are open and completely connected and there's no sort of physical barriers that segment those spaces into compartments. And so having a comprehensive performance-based life safety system, you can have those open spaces to encourage that collaboration that we wanted to have at CODA without having to to break it up with doors and, and walls throughout. Tell us a little bit about the difference between performance and prescriptive code compliance. What's exactly meant by that? So uh, Simon can get into this a little bit, but basically prescriptive would be, you know, I design the building to the letter of the code as described by the building codes. And performance is basically using that as a base case and demonstrating equal or no. Simon. Uh, yeah, no, no, absolutely. No, go for it. My understanding of performance is that, you know, using that as a baseline, prescriptive, yeah. and then demonstrating equal or better with a performance strategy. Exactly. And the. The building code and the life safety code, which are the two codes here in Georgia, both allow alternative approaches. The trick with each of those is to ensure that the level of safety is maintained, but really give the priority to the design initially and then iterate on the design until you develop the solution that really complies with what's required by. It. And that's something which Corman Architects was forward thinking enough to ask those questions at the very, very beginning and say, let the design lead the solution and we'll work into what is acceptable in terms of the standards of safety. Was that a difficult sale with the building officials that you had to deal with? <laughs> no, a lot of the reason for that is when we, when we would approach those types of complex design situations, if we demonstrate what the standard of safety is for the code, and we are then able to use that same methodology to demonstrate the performance of the design, 
as long as the performance of the design exceeds the code standard of safety, then that generally is going to be acceptable. And what's interesting with Coda, with all of the different components, it is probably one of the most advanced performance-based design buildings, certainly in the Southeast, if not the U.S. How do you demonstrate what the performance is of a building that's not yet constructed? It's a lot of chemistry, physics, and maths, and the use of computational models, but also the use of combustion science. And you know, if we're thinking about fire safety, we want to make sure that we are always keeping an eye on both the occupants within the building and the fire department who would be attending a potential situation. And so if we work with all of those things together, we're able to build up a very good idea as to what's likely to happen. Did you have to overcome objections along the way to this performance-based design and whether or not it decreases the safety of the building? I'll let John take that first of all, but and uh, build off of his response. Yeah, so I think, you know, in terms of working with the, the code officials and building departments, really important thing is developing a rapport with them, educating them on techniques that they may not be familiar with, and having them sort of be comfortable with your level of education and understanding of the systems so they can become comfortable with it. And I think working with Simon, that was you know a big piece of what he brought to the table for Coda. Yeah, it, that integrity, it takes so long to build up, especially within the jurisdictions that any co-consultant works in, but it can take seconds to strip it down. So when you're walking in with a level of history that demonstrates consideration for all parties, and you approach it as a stakeholder conversation rather than a, a statement of what shall happen, uh, <laughs> it, it tends to be received better and we end up with a much more suitable conversation and a good answer in the end. Well, my experience as a small-scale developer and design-build contractor has been that it's not always easy to do that. Some of these people seem like they take great joy in, in saying, no, you can't do that. So I commend you for being able to pull off what you guys did here. It's impressive. So other than use in emergencies, how do these unique life safety systems that you put into this building contribute to the daily use of the building? Yeah. So, you know, we talked about the atrium, the collaborative core piece of the where we have that big communication space that's completely open and connects 17 floors of the building seamlessly, that certainly contributes to the collaborative nature of the building. The other piece of this, the basement, was a critical component to the execution of the project in terms of being able to connect to the the streets and the public and having an open plaza at, at grade and at street level because it allowed all the parking and service to go below grade and kind of not have to separate and segment the the street level of the project and basically created a really signature piece, which is the the public plaza. Mm. And we knew that very unique in some ways to the NFPA requirements because of the depth of the basement, a smoke control system was needed. And what we were able to do was to really use a UK and EU type approach to the basement parking levels. And with that, combined it with the regular mechanical code requirements for 
combustion gases from vehicles. And as a result, created a very, very efficient smoke control system. But it also increased the efficiency of the regular mechanical exhaust system. And, and that led to decreased shaft sizes, decreased fan sizes, and overall economies within what would otherwise be a very expensive system. That's very interesting. So doing this performance-based design as opposed to just following the prescriptive code, did it cost more to do that in other areas? In this case, in the parking area, obviously, you saved money based on what you just said. What about other areas of the building? Well, actually, there was other savings in the basement. We removed a staircase, allowed longer travel distances, and removed one of the firefighting elevators from the basement because we were able to demonstrate the conditions the firefighters would be facing when they arrived on scene. Within the atrium itself, the design led the overall approach. And so this series of five three-story atriums with the two-story atrium at the top all stacked through the building. We ended up using a concept which, believe it or not, the inspiration that came to me was from watching my baby's formula bottle being made by the machine, where it, it swells the water around and it draws the powder in, mixes it, dilutes the powder, and, and creates the bottle. We essentially took the same concept and turned it upside down with the fact that smoke goes up. And that led to an efficiency within the smoke control system that was roughly a quarter of the exhaust rates that you'd normally see for an atrium that size that size. Um, wow. Within the facade stair, there was probably an increase in cost to have that smoke control system and ended up moving towards drop-down curtains, right, Jonathan? That's right. Yeah, we used a more passive approach there, which actually worked well for that particular strategy where the, the stairs connect and they kind of progress diagonally along the facade. Yeah, so I think overall, there was multiple areas where the approaches ended up increasing safety and decreasing construction costs, which are two things that I think is one of the Pullman architects' approaches is to always think of things with the design first, but they also know who to call to try and achieve some of the cost savings. I think we're in a we're in a discussion one time and value engineering proposition was put forward and they said, you know, we'd like to take three hundred thousand dollars of this equipment out. And the answer is that's absolutely fine. You can take that equipment out. Unfortunately, it's going to cost $3 million over here to, for the corrective action. <laughs> so if you want to save the 300000 that's great, but give me another 2.7. Yeah, and to that point, you know, it's important to educate the contractors too because they see a VESDA system in a parking garage and they think, what are you doing putting a data center smoke control fire alarm system in a parking garage? That'll never work. Your vehicles are going to set it off continuously. And so we had to educate them that, you know, this was the solution and it wasn't going to be a huge add to the project. And it was actually a net savings for the project. That's interesting. I'm sure that at every step along the way on a job of this size, you've got contractors out there trying to value engineer this thing. Yeah, a constant, you know, every phase, which is great because you do need to keep the design in check. And it's great to have contractors out there challenging what you're thinking, and you can challenge them back. And really, you know, that just improves the project. Well, you've got a better attitude toward it than a lot of other architects, Jonathan. So I can see why you're the project manager. Yeah, it's obviously been in Portman's DNA to do projects that were very dramatic and yet also very affordable to build. I do think that is, you know, goes all the way back to the 
concrete, you know, atrium hotels that made Portman famous. They were very low cost to build and yet quite dramatic, which, you know, he sort of incorporated that concept into this Coda building. Yeah. In fact, it's my understanding that some of the initial code strategies for atriums were, you know, developed with the Portman hotels in the 60s, where, you know, this is just continuation, literally, of atrium design into the future. Absolutely. Well, it's always difficult to do something that's groundbreaking or unfamiliar where you're doing it. So I commend you that you got this project done, and it's been a tremendous success in in every way. What else do we need to know? What else do our listeners need to know about the CODA project that you think they'd appreciate? Well, I would say, you know, in general, when you're working on a project, that it's a, always helpful to have a strong understanding of, of what the building codes are trying to achieve in terms of you know, what the requirement is, but what the intent of the requirement is. And then once you have that understanding, you can really start to prod how that applies to your project and how you can weave it into your design. And working with Simon, that's really how we are able to achieve some of the most impactful design elements of CODA. He brought this high level of understanding of the building codes and life safety in general and really taught the team and many others along the way, you know, how to develop unique systems that deliver the same level of safety for the building. Yeah, I think, John, yeah, one of the other things that is really, really important here is that for owners and for developers that are looking for that high design, for that striking element within their buildings, the big message that CODA brings to the market is it is achievable. And it can actually increase the value of the property and increase, you know, decrease construction cost and still maintain that level of safety. You know, high design is something that shouldn't be compromised because of what the prescriptive requirements say. Seems like that's going to be more important than ever. You know, if there does turn out to be a glut of space, it'll be the differentiated space that's leasable. Yep. And so hopefully you'll have a chance to demonstrate more of this expertise on other projects that we can talk about here on the Portman Architects podcast. So, well, I really appreciate your time today, gents, and look forward to the next time we get together and hope all of you have a great rest of the day. Thanks, Mark. Thank you. Thanks, Mark. Wow. What an episode. When it comes to the Coda building, there is so much to talk about. We will be back with some additional stories and insight on the CODA project on a future episode of the podcast. I'm Randy Wilburn signing off. We'll see you soon. Thanks for tuning in to the Portman Architects podcast. We hope that you enjoyed this episode and you learned a bit more about how we use teamwork and architectural design to solve your problems. Be sure to check us out online at www.portmanarchitects.com.